you considered the messages your outfits send? What do you think your clothes say about you? See, style is about the clothes, but it's not really about the clothes. Every day you make choices about what you're going to wear, but what are you communicating? Welcome to Above and Beyond Style. I'm your host, Maria DiLorenzo, and in 2019, I founded MFD Style, where I provide a unique, intuitive approach to personal styling for those ready to embrace a more meaningful look. With this podcast, I'll uncover key elements of where spirituality, psychology, and style intersect, revealing how you can make intentional wardrobe choices that reflect who you really are. So let me ask you, are you ready to transform into your authentic self? Then it's time. Come with me on this journey and together we'll take your style above and beyond style. Hey everybody, welcome back to Above and Beyond Style. Again, season four, we are really sort of unpacking and looking at this dynamic around transitions, change, how that connects with us in the body. We've used this amazing metaphor with surfing and about riding the waves of change. And I'm so, so, so happy to welcome back my guest for this season, Dr. Melissa Carrick. Missy, welcome back to today's episode. Thank you, Maria. It's so good to be here. Love it. It's been such a pleasure to have this conversation partner um, for all of these various episodes. And I hope you all are enjoying it as we are digging in and kind of going with the flow a little bit here as we're unpacking our own change. And if you haven't yet listened to the first couple episodes where we've started to unpack our own change in our own lives, I'd encourage you to go back and listen. But we are literally in the middle of our own sort of life changes. And one of the main reasons I wanted to incorporate this theme in this podcast, where we're talking about style and we're talking about all the things that uh, connect with style, but ultimately are on that like deeper level that are taking us to this sort of Maybe it's psychological, maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's got a, you know, this human experience of life that I always feel like are the more interesting parts of this, of this story. So know that wardrobe and the connection with style is sort of always going to be woven in. But today we really wanted to kind of pick up where we left off from this last episode where we were ending and we talked a little bit about mystery and the unknown in the midst of change. And Missy, you brought up this really interesting quote that I think would be helpful for our listeners to hear again so that we can pick up and go forward. Yes. The great Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote, Wouldst thou, so the helmsman answered, learn the secrets of the sea? Only those who brave its danger comprehend its mystery. I loved this. I've been actually sitting with this since our last recording, because there is a couple words in there that struck me about bravery. And I think you're going to hear us talk very much so throughout all of these episodes about sort of the bravery and the courage that are connected to when you're moving into something unknown and when you are um, in this mystery of the unknown. And one of the most beautiful things when Missy and I were first talking about this concept of our transition in our lives was how do we talk about this with other people? How do we give ourselves one, the permission to invite 
this conversation around this mystery and the unknown, the changes that we're undergoing. And I don't know if anybody can resonate with this, but this concept of like, when you're in the midst of change, I think people get really curious about like, what are, what is she up to? Like, what is she doing? Where's she going? And not necessarily from a judgmental perspective. I think people come into it with a genuine curiosity about like, what do you think this is all about? And something I was struck about, Missy, I'd hope, I'd love for you to talk about with our listeners was when you made this decision to take a sabbatical and you had talked in previous episodes that this non-traditional, like this isn't really common in your field for practitioners to do this. I'd love you to talk a little bit about the process about this message then that you had to tell your patients that you were going to be taking this time and your own process around that. Oh, for sure. Thank you. That's such a great question. Um, and one that if I think about the transition and the word that I, that, that the word that was threaded through all of this was whisper and that there had been a whisper for me for a long time about sabbatical. And I actually remember talking with my mom about it and there was a big, long pause on the phone. And then she was like, well, then why not? You should take a sabbatical. And it took me actually a couple of years, embarrassingly enough, to take that sabbatical. But it was such an interesting process to let that whisper, or maybe even not let, the whisper just kept getting a little bit louder and a little bit more persistent in the background of, okay, you need to take a pause. You need to take a pause. It's time to pause. It's time to step back and reflect. And so it's interesting, part of what necessitated that was a pretty significant burnout. And I know that burnout is bandied about and it's it's this term. It's interesting, actually, the ICD-10 or ICD-11, the, the actual coding medically now has a code for burnout, which is kind of a fascinating evolution. So burnout is a real thing. And even as a provider, a healthcare provider, looking and going, well, I'm not burned out. Burnout, like I'm fine. I can continue to be of service. And it getting to the point that whisper getting more and more persistent, partly because of just not being able to do it anymore. And when I say that, we'd had a number of life events in terms of even including a family health issue, um, significant health issue, actually with both parents. My dad had um, stage four prostate cancer. And then when he was in his last 10 treatments, my mom had a massive stroke and they were actually in Florida for his treatments. They didn't live there. And I was flying back and forth to Florida, having a busy practice, teaching for one of the techniques. So I was flying all over the country. And it 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 got to be where I was just like, what, what am I doing? I can't really think straight. And what's interesting, Maria, is that the whisper, I knew it was there. And I was like, okay, it's it's time. And I went on vacation. And I was like, okay, this is good. And I went back into my practice for two days after vacation and was like, whoa, it is really clear I'm doing it. It was the contrast point. And what's interesting in crafting the letter to my patients, initially, I wrote the, um, if you pardon the uh, the language here, uh, Brene Brown calls it the SFD, the shitty first draft. So I wrote the shitty first draft that was like, I'm so tired. I worked all through COVID as a provider. You guys had your breaks, um, you know, and I was not. And I knew that I didn't want to make it about my patients, partly because that's not the kind of provider I am, and partly because, and even more authentically, because I knew that claiming this time for me was really critical. 
And so I started asking the question of what am I actually doing? And writing that letter, what I finally settled on was, listen, being transparent and owning the fact that I've had this whisper on my heart for a while and it's time for me to take a pause because I talk to people all day long about the fight or flight physiology or the stress physiology and that it's time for me to walk that talk in an even bigger way of stepping back, reflecting, restoring. And yes, there were more um, sort of noble pursuits, quote unquote, right? Air quotes of noble pursuits of study and that I had a few other things I was going to be looking at and I'd been asked to do some speaking and some writing, but there was also re-envisioning and reimagining the practice. And I used those terms in the letter of how we provide healthcare. And I will say it felt really good and really scary to hit send on that email letter that I was sending to patients and knowing that the sabbatical was going to be in three weeks from when I sent that letter. And then it was risky. I mean, in terms of, okay, I wasn't going to have an income for however long I didn't commit to, it's going to be this long. It was left a little open. What's really, really cool is we hit send and then left to go out to dinner with friends. And by the time I was like down the block, I looked at my phone and I already had three texts from patients saying, oh my gosh, doc, this is amazing. So awesome. Good luck. And by the time we got to dinner, we already had like 12 emails or something um, on the office email account. So we both, my husband and I both hit our phones on, you know, turn, literally turned them off so we could just be present. I, first, I'm glad you talked about the reaction because I was genuinely curious <laughs> about what your patients would say or do, because I've had that where <clears throat> a practitioner has taken some time away and of course, like deep concern and worry sits in my belly. Cause I'm like, what am I going to do without my person? But I love that people showed up for you and were saying, good for you. Take this time, do what's important. We'll be here when you get back. You know, that kind of concept of support and community, which you clearly have built and established within your own network. So kudos to you, but something I want to pick up in particular about your choice in sort of this messaging and I think everybody kind of may con like get confronted with this, however small or big your change might be is like, there's one thing to kind of make a commitment to make a change and have that be sort of internal, right? Like I'm making this choice for myself. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to go to the gym, whatever. But there's a different level of accountability when you're putting it out to people and you are talking about it publicly. Now, obviously you're business practice requires that communication to tell your clients and patients that like, I'm not going to be available for this period of time, but there's something about the, like, I'm putting it out there. <laughs> I'm telling people that I'm going to be taking on this choice and this change and this commitment for however long. And there is a sense of vulnerability and exposure, I think in that. So I want to circle back to your where we started with this quote around mystery and the unknown and the bravery that is connected to any time we're making smaller, big change about settling in for ourselves, like making that choice feels brave for ourselves, but it feels maybe extra brave when you start to tell people about it. What are your thoughts on that? So one, it was getting okay with saying, I don't know. And two, yeah, it felt, it felt bigger. Like I was coming out. That was the language that I was using. And, you know, it's interesting, even with family and friends, um, 
most people, well, my dad would be a great example. So my dad is also a chiropractor and has walked with me through lots of, so through lots of um, changes, lots of adventures. And when I shared with him again, long pause on the phone, and then he was talking about, well, you know, I've always trusted the choices that you've made. You've got a really good head on your shoulders. You, you know, you trust your gut, you trust your heart. And so I know that this is like the right thing for you. And there's another long pause. But I've got to say, it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. This is from someone who's been a mentor to me and been in the field for over 40 years. So it definitely was like, okay, but I'm also saying I'm standing here. And so it was a little bit of claiming my own uh, whisperer and, and coming out about, wow, like there might be some big shifts. I don't know. And probably like you, Maria, it's like, it's interesting when people continue to ask, well, what are you doing? What's the next thing? Have you figured it out yet? Do you know what the next iteration is? And continuing to stand in that space of, I don't know. And knowing that I can't always engage because I'm trying to listen to my own heart. Um, we've talked about the idea with mystery and the unknown of the liminal space. Space. I think, I think we actually talked about Richard Rohr together, right? And that idea of, you know, it's this threshold and you're at the threshold of waiting and not next yet having the next step. And it's extremely, I believe his word is like disruptive and it seems glamorous or we've talked about like, it's a luxury in some ways to be able to take this time just as much if you have a full family and, and, or a full career, it might be a luxury to go and have that like afternoon cup of tea or cup of coffee where you're sitting by yourself and it's not quote unquote purposeful where, okay, I'm going to make some calls. I'm going to send some emails in the afternoon while I'm having a cup of coffee. It's a radical step and it's a disruptive step. And it's something that people may not understand. And you yourself may not understand it other than the heart's whisper or the heart's longing that, oh, I have to take, it's, it's time to take a pause. It's time to put my feet up for a moment. I love, I'm so glad you brought up liminal space. I don't know if we've said this on the podcast, mm. but we've certainly talked it together. And if you're not familiar with the term, I encourage you to kind of just Google it. I, if I'm not mistaken, um, I believe it has its root in, roots in Christianity in the connection with uh, Jesus in his dying and resurrection. So they talk about the liminal space is ultimately what you might hear about Holy Saturday. So Good Friday is the death of Jesus. Uh, Holy Saturday is kind of in this in-between space, whereas the Sunday of Easter is where he has risen and come again. And so there's this space of time where Jesus has been died. He's in the tomb. He's then missing from the tomb because he is moving to ascension. And there's a lot of intrigue, question, uncertainty, uh, just kind of this whole space around what is going on here. and it speaks to that Holy Saturday space of like, we know something is coming, right? The resurrection is coming or they didn't know that maybe in that moment, but that, that there is this something is ahead, but we're in this in-between and in the in-between, what are we being called to do? How are we preparing? How are we being forgiving and compassionate to one another as we wait and see? And so there's so much rich, theological uh, writing and concepts around this space that I would encourage, if you have any curiosity around this, I would really encourage you to read about it because 
it's been one of those things that I find myself like, I wonder if life is just the liminal space in some ways, right? Like you're born, (laughs) you're in this in-between, and then of course you die and whatever you believe about the afterlife, but there is something there about this space of the in-between and listening to these whispers. The other thing I wanted to pick up on what you were talking about, and I think it's really interesting because I actually want to start with a question for you because uh, if you don't know, or you don't recall, Missy and I worked together in the style space and we actually initially started to work together because her sister gifted my services to her for the holidays, I believe it was. And thank God. Uh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we got to connect through this experience, but then Missy went on to continue to work with me um, past that initial experience. And My question for you is about the decision to go into the space around, we're going to use style for a minute, where you didn't really know the outcome or really didn't sort of see where we were heading in this exercise of working together, that there was a choice or there was some sort of decision within yourself about like, I'm going to go for this. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what were you thinking about in those moments before we really kind of got to this place where we were really interacting and working together quite a bit? Um, that's such an interesting question. And I think in, in terms of when I was gifted that from my sister, when I was gifted your services from my sister, I believe I had already had sort of whispers of like, I just need to freshen things up. Or I feel like I've evolved into this person. And I just, you know, I have this stuff, but I'm, uh, and this had been through, I'd been through different iterations of style, including the God awful, um, khaki pants and collared shirts and which is not my style at all, but having a certain model and coming from that and I'd evolved, but it'd been a while since I had really, um, evaluated cleaned house, like looked and actually looked at my closet. I just knew that I was like, eh, eh. And I think that that's how it started was this um, knowing that something was off, something wasn't a fit. And I know Maria, you've used that um, in terms of your own life. And if we're kind of merging this with life and style, and I think for all of us, that's sometimes how it starts is this little um, disgruntledness or dissatisfaction where it's like, I just, I know something's not right. Or you look in your closet and you're like, eh. And that was it. I was like, eh. And I knew that there was more and I wasn't I also was not feeling fully myself at, you know, at work and knowing that there was a dichotomy between what I wear on the weekends and what I um, go to work in and between when I felt really, really good and when I didn't. And I was just sort of going, okay, eh, this is functional, but it had no form. And so the idea of probably I had the thought too of seeking a little bit more form to my function. Cause I also need high function, especially being in a profession where I'm physically, you know, physically working in my clothes, they have to be comfortable. Um, that's definitely it. Yeah. I love that because it helped. And I, the reason I ask is because I think you're right on in, there's often this little like inkling or something, something's kind of like nudging you, you know, like, and I think that's where a lot of change begins. And we're going to equate it to that sense of the whisper or, you know, those small, they may be micro movements, 
that have happened over time. Maybe they come on suddenly, but ultimately they start to kind of show up enough that give you some sort of question in your mind about like, I wonder if I should do something about that. And that's very much how the selling of my house came about. Um, that's very, I mean, I, I didn't like wake up one day and be like, I'm going to sell my condo and just not really have another place to go. I, there's, there's always a sort of like gradual something going on. And in particular with style, and this is something that I really feel very passionately about in regards to when people come to me with that same sense of like, eh, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm kind of at this, maybe I'm stuck or maybe I just don't really know what I need, but I know I need something. There's, I, I'm sure any of you listening can can resonate with that in some capacity in your life, whether that's about your clothing or a, about other aspects. But ultimately that when a client comes to me feeling a little like, mm, I don't know, I need something here. I am often struck by, well, two things. The first is let's go back to that, like the bravery of like, you got to do something about it, right? You, you can only sit in that eh for so long before either you just succumb to the eh and, you know, that can take you down a whole other path or that you're making a choice to do something and to see about whether there's other people who can help you, there's something you can take on yourself to change or to, or to just immobilize in some way and to mobilize, I mean, in some way. And I think that I'm always struck by the bravery of people who they maybe not see it that way, but the whispers of change when it comes around style in the wardrobe can be pretty transformational. And I certainly have seen that time and time again. And so I think one thing that I just, I want to acknowledge about this whole process, and you use the word reimagination when you were talking about communicating to your clients and your patients about taking the sabbatical and like, I'm, I'm re-envisioning aspects of, I don't, you know, of your life, of your practice, et cetera. That same word really resonates, I think, with a lot of people when they talk about their style, that there's sort of, like you said, like, I might not be the khaki pants and the button down shirt girl, but I know I'm somewhere out there and I don't really know what it is yet. And so I need some help creating some images about what that looks like. And I would tell you this, I think is my sweet spot. I'm not trying to brag, but I do feel very passionately that if there's anything I'm really good at, I think it's about helping people reimagine their wardrobe and to see their clothing in new ways, new combinations, whether that's your color palettes that you're not used to partnering, um, pattern mixing, it could be fabric choices that you're pairing up that you had never tried before. Or just as we talked about when you identified your style as this like rock and roll has a little bit of edge to it. It's like, how then does that get played into how the reimagination works? And let me tell you, for as much as we were talking about in previous episodes about staying in the moment and staying present and like trying not to get too far ahead yet and kind of going with the flow, I believe fervently that it's a partnership with this concept around reimagination too, that you've got to kind of put yourself in a position or a place, I don't know if it's in the future or just allowing your imagination to go someplace else than where you presently are to help 
kind of invigorate the change you want. So I'm going to pause there for a second because I've said a million things. What are your thoughts as I'm talking about reimagination? Oh my gosh, so many. And first of all, I do want to say that is your sweet spot in my experience is like helping someone reimagine. We could say it's it's way more than shop your closet, but it's like infusing this creativity. And I think that the naming, it, it's like there's phases that starts with that question of like, ah, eh, something's not right and paying attention to that question and then observing and really being an observer and narrowing in on okay, what's actually there? What's, what am I disgruntled with or feeling irritable or like, it's not quite a fit, you know, it's a chafe really. I mean, if we use a, a term that applies with, with clothing, right? So your garments, something is chafing, um, not quite jiving. And then it's naming the like rock and roll for me with my style. And as soon as you said it, something palpably clunked into place. It's like, yeah, that's right. And it has become the litmus test for me of, okay, like, is this rock and roll? And I don't always consciously go, okay, I'm choosing everything rock and roll, but like, where is my rock and roll in this? So um, I wore the other day, so I was super proud of this outfit. Um, I wore white jeans, you know, still, still summertime, whatever that rule is or not rule. I mean, I lived in Texas for a little bit and they wear their whites all year long in Texas. So wore my white jeans and I wore a blue and white striped uh, short sleeve button down with a little collar, tied it. So it was a little prepster. And then I had neon sandals on the bottom, neon green sandals. And it was so great. Like, yes, I have my little rock and roll in there. And what that does is generates a playfulness. And with that playfulness is the curiosity. So I think if we're talking about the being like totally present in the moment with what you're doing, there's playfulness there. And then the reimagination is allowing that playfulness in. And the reimagination, if we think even posturally, it's like we can't do reimagination when we're clenched, right? We need to reimagine or another reword is recreate, which if we think about recreate, it's recreate. So it has playfulness naturally built in and the posture itself I wish y'all could see the, the example. I'm very kinesthetic in, in when I talk, but the idea is, okay, we're open in this open posture, this expansive posture to allow, and there's that word to allow it in. Um, and knowing for myself, I will name a particular challenge. And that's like, number one, I want to get to the end. I want to know. And so I'm trying to embrace the mystery, but I also want to know, especially when there's bigger stakes whether it's selling your house or a change of career or change of practice or whatever it is, there's, there's higher stakes. It can get harder to not be constricted in that flow. So I can say thus far what I've discovered for myself, and I don't know that this is universal or applies to everyone, but you know, try it on, is that it takes actually being present and taking a moment of pause to reimagine and to have that openness to reimagine and to have that stimulus. And I mean, I, I could certainly, we could walk down the road of physiology and how that, how that looks with physiology. I think we may do that on a later episode. Um, but, but it's, it's really maintaining that curiosity, that playfulness, that openness. And for me, that means that I have to actually have some time to pause and to, to allow that to happen. Because if not, 
I'm going, okay, well, what do I wear in the morning? Uh, okay. I'm going to wear the khaki pants. Actually, I don't even think I own any khaki pants anymore to be, to be totally honest, might be a victory there. Um, but otherwise I'm just going to go right to default mechanism and right back into the same cycles. Yeah. Thank you for that because it, you said that so beautifully about the connection and how they're partners much more eloquently than I. And I feel like the the beautiful part of taking the pause and kind of that recalibration of mm. like, well, what's going on here? And then the activation of the imagination to like, where do I want to go? What do I want this to look like? And I will say, I recognize I have a, a really dear friend of mine who she struggles with the concept of play. Like she's just not a player. Like she, she's a worker and she likes to work and she has to like actively, actively work to imagine and be playful in her life. And we're always laughing and teasing about that because I am someone who, I, I don't know, I think I I just, I have a very active imagination. I have, since I was a very little girl, I think I'm kind of like that magical child a little bit, like just sort of always like, what would that be like? And I can get there really easily. So I recognize that is not how everybody operates, but I do think that helps in these circumstances where if you're taking the pause and you're centering yourself to a place where you can activate the imagination in a way to say, what could this look like? What are the possibilities here? What is open to me? Um, what else can I receive that I haven't even imagined or thought of yet that could come down my path and change the whole trajectory of how I'm going, right? Like there's maybe, I don't know if some people get overwhelmed by that. I happen to really enjoy that space and am motivated by that space of getting into my imagination and sort of thinking of the possibilities that could happen. And I think when we're in the midst of change, and I will say this with my clients in particular around style, that it can be overwhelming. Like they, they sometimes to your point, Missy, like they want to get to the, like, give me the 10 outfits that I can just put on in the morning and I don't have to think about it. And I can just know I look great. And, and yes, there is a practicality to that, that I so respect and can get behind. But I also don't want to strip the fun of how some of these things can go. And I think that's the play and the imagination and the fun of anytime you're in the midst of change to try not to let yourself forget about that. And I'm sometimes I'm really good at it. I will say in the last couple months where I've been doing a lot more travel and I've been exploring a lot of new cities and places and seeing a lot of people that I really love that I'm trying not to get too attached to, well, could this be the place I'm going to live? And allow myself then to just be in the experience of the place, of the people, of the opportunities that are showing up and allowing that just to inform whatever the next steps are. And similarly with style, that we're looking at your wardrobe and we are putting together new combinations of outfits that are really starting to speak this language of who you are and what really resonates for you. And you, I am, I imagine it feels invigorating to people that it sort of, there's things that's starting to click and it motivates you. And, and maybe you begin then to have a bit more play and fun in putting together outfits. That would be my dream. Not everybody gets, gets behind that, but I enjoy the process of, 
isn't it fun to put together these combinations that feel more like you so you can go out and rock your life in your world? So there's this partnership between the presence, the pause, and the imagination that has to get activated to kind of allow this mistress wonder and the whispers to kind of all come in and do their thing. So good. I mean, and and if I were to distill what you said, because it's right, it's this, it's this whole, I mean, I'm resisting trying not to make too many puns, but it is a fabric, right? Of um, it's a, it's a fabric, really it's a process and it's a process in which you participate. So working with you, it's like getting to, okay, going through your process of assessing your wardrobe and looking going, okay, what, what feels right? Or how do I feel? And even trying stuff on and getting in the muck, but it's a process and you're going to get to, oh, now here's my outfits that I feel really good in. And then you've got some basics to play with. You know, it's kind of like having your, your tools. So, so looking at the process, um, it's getting there and you did a great job too, Marie. You, I know you took pictures of all my stuff and I have outfits on the online portal of things. And what's interesting is that now I seldom refer to those because it's like, I've got my palette, I've got my, my, my things in my head and it changed the way that I'm thinking, but it was only because I engaged the process and I participated. And I think that for myself, it can be frustrating because I do sometimes want the outcome. And it was joyful working with you in that process. It's fun. And for me, it was a space of more play uh, or, or offered more play than sometimes the gravity that seems to come with bigger life choices that are like, okay, this is it. And it's not at all, it does not at all lack gravity because it is my expression in the world in terms of my style and how I'm moving through the world and feeling comfortable in my skin and comfortable in the clothes presenting myself. So what's interesting though, is you said something about like how it feels and it's being willing to try things on and notice how it feels. And in my own process right now, I will say it's um, a continuous reminder to stay in that curious space. Like you said with, okay, you're visiting people and not overly asking the question, is this the place? Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Right. The, like the children's book, it's instead, okay, like, I'm just going to soak all this up. I'm going to notice how it feels. So for me in my space right now, it's like, okay, I actually came back from sabbatical um, after taking about four months off, a little over four months actually. And going, okay, how does it feel? And knowing I went back in to my practice because I had the felt sense that it was time. But if I really unpacked that felt sense, it was like, I can't make more choices in a vacuum. I need to get in and starting small. So instead of going full throttle to the busy schedule I have, okay, let me tweak some things based on what I've observed so far. And I've embraced, and this is a, a, a different concept for me, but I've embraced that, okay, I might be experimenting with my practice the next couple of months because I don't want to go back to the crazy hours that I had before. You know, I've shifted and I've evolved as a person and knowing like what it takes for me to be my best self, just like style evolves. Like I can no longer wear khaki pants, not that they may wherever were me in the beginning. And those of you that wear khaki pants, good for you. It just does not, it's actually not representative of my style or who I've evolved into. Um, so, so looking at that, um, the image that keeps coming to me in terms of, okay, pay attention to the feeling is that there is 
a time lapse when I'm looking at the vision for my life or the vision for my practice and that it's little steps by little steps. And it's like Atlantis emerging from the water. So you see that lost city of Atlantis and I can kind of see it getting more and more clear and it's emerging. Okay, there's less water. I can see certain things and it's allowing the vision to appear. You know, I a curious topic for me and and we don't necessarily need to talk about this right now, but it's worth mentioning that I've had this persistent question um, that we've lost touch sometimes with our ability to dream or ability to listen to the whisper. And so what does that take for me, for you, for any specific person to dream and to listen to the whisper? And a mentor of mine, um, Emily Fletcher, she is, I've been in a lot of her programs, meditation teacher. So Emily Fletcher um, has the expression of, what would I love? What is charming to me right now? And you can include that whether you're looking at your closet or parts of your life or even your day, looking at like, hey, what would I love today? What is charming? And truth be told, if I'm, if I'm really being honest, that question doesn't always do it for me because it can seem overwhelming. Well, okay, I would love for it to be sunny, but when I'm looking at like, okay, what would I love for my life in the midst of having this amazing practice that I'm going, all right, well, what do I do with it? It's okay, how can I live the questions in a different way? And another question that's helpful for me then is like, well, if it were all my way, like if I could have it any way I want, or as my friend Melissa says, you know, if you had a magic wand and tomorrow morning you could wake up and everything could be as you wish, and it was not, you know, it didn't have to do with distance. Like, you know, your family's important to you. So you want to be near them, like all of that. What would your life look like? And that to me adds a little bit more playfulness because it gives permission to like, well, just if it, if it were this magical, mystical Candyland world. Um, so if those are of any help, the reimagining and, and ways of doing that. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And, and so much of our lives get consumed by, the practicalities and like getting the things done or making these choices and kind of getting down to the nitty gritty and all that's normal to be human and to have all those things on your plate. I think my greatest takeaway, and I'll, I'll invite you to reflect on this at the end too here, Missy, about today's episode is I'm thinking about the mystery, the listening to the whisper, the curiosity, the magic, the play, the reimagination of this whole concept around change. Like my greatest takeaway from this always is, and not to sound too, I don't know, existential. I don't know. I, I don't want to get too heady about this because I feel like, but I really genuinely feel this. And I don't know if this is just the state of my life in my mid forties, Again, I, I'm not married. I don't have children. So there are different priorities that I very un understandably have. I think we get really clear, and maybe you can resonate with this, Missy, too, when your parents have are in a place of vulnerability about their own mortality. I think I've shared before, my father is deceased and my mother is still alive, gratefully in good health and all of that. But there's a there's a real clarity, I think, that can come from this about gosh, we only get this kind of one shot in this lifetime. I want my one shot to be pretty good. And if there are ways that I can start to be making choices and listening to the movements within myself, the, the movements within 
my God and my spirit that I, I feel responsible for responding to that and like upholding that in some way, maybe more so now than I ever could before, because I don't know, maybe I couldn't do that in my twenties and thirties. I don't know. I'm not here to kind of figure that out, but I'm just recognizing my greatest takeaways and listening to all of this. I want to be responsible to myself in this. And I want us as we're in the midst of change to feel empowered enough to do something about it. Yeah. Being responsible for our own life and yeah, life happens and there's the unpredictable waves. There's the storms that come through and choosing to put ourselves in the best position possible and live the way we want to live. And I've, I've been thinking a lot about stuff lately and whether that's clothing or items in your house, it's like, you know, editing and going, well, what is really important? Because having two parents with health issues and seeing the mortality um, and seeing my parents who sold one house and moved into their second home. And there's still a lot of stuff. My mom was amazing at getting rid of stuff, but there's still a lot of stuff to deal with. It's asking the questions of like, well, what is really important? What are my core values? And so with that, the takeaway then for me is, well, what's it take to get those core values and to get what the whispers are? And it's where can we incorporate, where can we take a pause? And it may not be the luxury of taking a sabbatical or of, you know, selling your house and, you know, having a community to support you in that. It may, it may look different, but if there's one thing in this modern world, and especially this modern U.S. world, where can we create a little bit more pause, a little bit more ability to expand, to breathe into, to expand into ourselves so we can actually notice rather than, okay, moving breathless through, okay, I got to do this. Okay, now I got to take the kids. Okay, now I got to, okay. So we can only hear the whisper if we actually have a moment of pause. So whether that's turning off the, you know, the news, whether it's driving in silence or listening to a song that is really beautiful of your choosing when you're driving rather than just whatever's on, um, whether it's, you know, having that afternoon cup of tea or waking up a little extra early to see the first light and just be present and feel yourself and the silence, even though you have a busy day and you have kids to take care of and, and, and a whole life that's going to speed up as the day goes on. Beautiful. Thank you. Here's to listening to the whisper friends. I don't, uh, I don't know what the whisper is for all of us, but I can encourage us hopefully with today's episode to show you that there's great power in doing it and taking, taking the pause, however long or short you need and seeing what surfaces. So thank you, Missy, for your insights today and a rich, rich conversation. I'm always so grateful to you. Likewise, such a pleasure, so grateful and a privilege to be in conversation with you. Yeah. So until next time, friends, we will catch you on the flip side. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed what you've heard, I would appreciate you taking the time to leave a review on the podcasting platform you're using and share this episode with others who you think might really enjoy these conversations about personal style. For more information all about MFD Style services, you can find me on the web at mfdstyle.com. 
on Instagram at MFD underscore style, where I post almost five days a week, or send me an email at Maria at MFDstyle.com. I also have a weekly email I send to subscribers, so I will include the link to that sign up in the show notes. So until next time, friends, remember to love yourself and then love yourself some more.